0: Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast. I'm Mark Cockrell, a fan of the pensive New England Patriots, I would say, and I'm joined as always by my partners in crime, Brian O'Leary, a fan of the Grizzly Giants, and Gordon Bridgefield, a fan of many teams, but including the suspicious Steelers, I would say. Brian, good evening, mate. How are you getting on? Good evening, Mark. Evening, guys. So, um, we kicked off a couple of weeks ago, catching up on a few developments, shall we say, in free agency. And now the, uh, the event of the year or certainly the sporting year at the moment with nothing else going on has passed us the 2020 NFL draft. And whilst it was interesting to see Cliff Clingsbury's, uh, palatial bachelor pad, I would say, and Bill Belichick's dog making picks, um, it's always the interesting thing, it isn't necessarily all of the hoopla around it, but the actual picks that are made. And Let's kick it off tonight, boys. I mean, who impressed you? Like, every team wants to get an A grade from the draft, but who do you think really changed their starts?
1: Um, from my perspective, I would have actually go to San Francisco 49ers. Um, having lost the Super Bowl, you could argue they're still in win, win now mode. But I uh, John Lynch did a very good job. They Did two first round picks this year, um, ha- um having received that 1st round pick from the Colts recently for the um, sure yeah. Buccaneers trade. They were in a they were in on a 13. They managed to drop down one and get a pick from the from the Buccaneers. who were very keen to take an offensive line guy. They won the last one of the main four, so they dropped back one, but they still took a defensive tackle. Javon Kinlaw. A lot of people thought they would go wide receiver at that stage, so an immediate replacement for for Buckner, and then they had a later pick in the first round, and they took a wide receiver, which was mute to be potentially going to the Packers. Obviously, the Packers went a different direction. And uh, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona, who was highly thought of, and we discussed the last day about being you know, a very heavy wide receiver draft, um, yeah. thought they were two very good upgrades. I thought, you know, last year, albeit they got the Super Bowl, I thought Sanders and... Um, I just felt that they were a little bit weak at times on, on wide receivers, so I thought that was a huge upgrade. And then on the Saturday, it became a bit of a wheeler dinner situation. Uh, Matt Parader got traded to the Dolphins. Marcus Goodman got traded to the Eagles. Uh, Joe Staley retired. but I thought the big pickup for them then was the fact that they traded with the, the Washington Redskins to bring in Trent Williams, who who's arguably has been looking for a trade for the past two years and hasn't yeah. played much. But when he's playing and when he's on his game, he's a quality
0: one yeah, of the best I left tackles up, in the business. Yeah. yeah.
1: So an immediate replacement for stadium didn't give up. It didn't give up the air to third in the fifth, but they got the fifth back very quickly from the Dolphins, having my McBrady on and their backfield. in the day of the Super bowl was quite heavy. And they Colman Coleman. Yeah,
0: it's almost like putting Williams out of his misery in Washington there, and the kind of breakdown with Dan Schneider and stuff, and almost Washington were almost accepting, hey, we're going to get almost like a compensatory pick as if he'd left in free agency. But yeah, I mean. It certainly seems solid. Um, Gordon, I want to bring you into this. I mean, look, obviously, 49ers got close to the promised land, uh, mm. you know, leading quite substantially in the fourth quarter, and they're not able to put it together. Have they done enough to tip it over the limit? I mean, um, is this enough to give Jimmy G what he needs? And therefore, they're cotton on 2021 Super Bowl cha- or 2021 Sabbath so Super Bowl champions.
2: But I think they've made some of the kind of moves that you'd expect a, a team that was very close to winning. They've gone very specific for the needs that they need to fill, and they're not they're not uh, afraid to get rid of a few players. Uh, I thought it was overall a really, really good draft by the, the 49ers, and, and I think they're in a position of luxury that with a few of the picks they had and how well they played, they know exactly the sort of system they want and the players they want for it. So, no, I thought they did a good draft. I think some of the teams that I kind of looked at that I was really, really interested in, um, and I think it's just one of the most exciting ones for me, is the... Uh, Las Vegas Raiders uh, and when you look at their draft uh, Mike Mayock and Gruden uh, they're looking to fill that offense like three wide receivers with the first four picks in the draft I think that's really yeah. the only place you need to kind of look at who they sign so round one Henry Ruggs from Alabama uh, and literally speed kills simple as that fastest player in the draft he wasn't touted as the first um, wide receiver to be picked um, Judy was, was the one who everyone thought was going to go ahead of him. But again, they've gone very specific here. They wanted an out-and-out burner, four two seven in the combine. Uh, and then the one that really, and again, I was watching all of the college highlights for these players, in the third round with the 80th pick, they picked a guy called Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, who they've classified as a wide receiver. But played quarterback and can play running back uh, in college with Kentucky. And he's that sort of a player. He is the go-go gadget sort of player that you'll expect, where he will kind of come in and uh, he'll play in the wildcat QB kind of position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and similarly, he'll be in running back for any, any of the plays they need. And then they went with Brian Edwards in the third round, who was a big, big wide receiver. Great hands. He's not going to get much separation from what I could see. But again, they pretty much said to Derek Carr, here you go here's all your weapons, go, do, go go, go! do this year. And I think this is the last chance for Derek Carey. He's got three wide receivers in the first four rounds selected for him. Like, can't ask for yeah. much more for that. Well, I mean, look, Chucky
0: goes through quarterbacks like some of us go through hot dinners. Um, so um, that wouldn't be a massive surprise. They were apparently flirting with Brady at one point for the agency as well. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly going to be, assuming the season kicks off on time and everything isn't uh, truncated, exciting times in the Las Vegas Raiders. That kind of still sounds weird to say, doesn't it? Las Vegas Raiders. Uh um, Mark knows um
1: Mark knows I was I was high on Ruggs. So I had him Yeah
0: had a, yeah. I was I was gonna say I was gonna say that Brian. I think the only person that expected Rugs to go above Judy and that high in the draft was Brian O'Leary who made uh, some considerable money. But, uh, um, I won't say betting, uh, speculating. That's a more polite way to say it. Yeah, we'll go with that. On that prediction. The guru,
1: that's what you called me the last day. So, the guru makes money.
0: Procuring, yeah. But, Mm. I mean, do you know, it was interesting to me. There were a couple of kind of weird nuances in the draft. You just alluded to it, Gordo. I think the last, well, sorry, I know the Las Vegas Raiders were the first team ever to take three wide receivers that high up in the draft. Equally, the Carolina Panthers set a new record when being the first team ever to spend all of their draft picks only on defense. Mm -hmm. Now, with Luke Keekley retiring and then losing some key members on their their defensive line, I'm not saying they didn't need to. They absolutely did need to invest in defense. But very uh, interesting, I would say, especially with uh, Newton's departure. They didn't bolster offense in any way, shape or form. So, um, you know, that rule obviously has an idea there, and we'll see how it plays out.
1: They did a little bit in free agent. They brought in Robbie Anderson from the Jets. True, of, yeah. I'd argue that he's not you know, the top-caliber wide receiver in the league. Did well for the Jets. and But the contract they gave him was $18 million over two years. I thought that was a bit high for the, for the production well, I mean, which he
0: gave the Jets. Yeah, I mean, talking about weird contracts and everything and staying in the NFC for a minute... Um, the Saints obviously had a very limited draft based on various moves. They only had a, a small number of picks and uh, they could only apply them as they done. They've drafted fantastically well in recent seasons. You think obviously Michael Thomas picked up in the second round, Kamara picked up in the second or third, I think it was. Um, and, and their first round picks have been absolutely rock solid. But they just signed Taysom Hill to a 21 million two-year deal. Um, Again, slightly off topic from the draft, but Saints, that deal, their draft, any comments on that, guys?
2: It's it's an interesting one. It's because they've also rumored, I don't think it's been secured yet, but James Winston is signing a one-year deal with yeah. the Saints as well. But again, everything that's coming out of uh, all of the analysts and the insiders is that Taysom Hill is the future quarterback uh, of the New Orleans Saints, that they see him as the successor to Breeze. Um, and I think they just want to pay him to keep him happy and keep him in – in New Orleans for the foreseeable future, James Winston is going to play that Bridgewater role where he'll only play if uh, Breeze is 100% um, unfit, and that's the only way we're going to see him this year. Uh, so, no, I think Taysom Hill is being groomed to take over uh, in New Orleans, and it seems like he loves the city as well. And again, he's a great player, he's that what the modern kind of offensive weapon all teams want on their, yeah. On their roster.
1: Yeah, they went for a center in their, with their fourth pick, and um, I'm pretty sure the centre that was playing in the last years was, was a reasonably new centre in which they brought in, so I don't think they'd be yeah. happy with that, with that situation. Um, and I was surprised, it was, I thought it was a bit of a reach, to be honest, because there was a lot of discussions around him, you know, potentially being available for teams in the second round, having looked at the Giants mock drafts for quite some time, he was one that potentially they were looking at, and everywhere, everywhere I saw him going to the Giants was in the second round, but obviously we were never going to go with him. Having a high pick in the first, but there was a lot of mocks that said this guy, might, this guy could argue. Yeah. But then again, yeah. it, just, it swings around the because just on the joints, like we took McKinney in the second round of safety from Alabama, and every mock draft I saw last week had even gone around 20 to the Jags and even potentially to the, the Patriots in some of the mock drafts. So it goes, you, yeah. know, you just never know where it's going to play out.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's why they do it. And we see how it all plays out in relation to it. But you're right. I mean, the Saints there, they they brought in Unger when they went, shipped off Jimmy uh, Graham to Seattle. And when he left, you know, they've had a bit of instability there. Important um, and always to shore up the offensive line. But I don't know. I, I read that move as a kind of a clear indication that Breeze is retiring at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. Like, almost guaranteed. Because it was a case of, we give him a two-year deal. If we do think he's successful, we want a year to figure it out. And see if he is, and then we get to decide whether we extend him or we go in a completely different direction. You,
1: um, you don't honestly believe they'll go in the direction of James Winston taking over?
0: No, but I mean, I think that's why they've just got Winston this year for a one-year, continue to develop um, mm. Taysom Hill in the in the system and everything. And and look, actually, I'm going to pivot slightly because just because we're talking about Taysom Hill and he's as you said, great, uh, Gordon, I love the expression, the offensive weapon. He can do a bit of. Everything there's been a lot of noise said about a certain pick in the second round that he's a type of offensive weapon, which I'd question because he's not like he can play tight end or fullback like uh, or punt a punt team like uh, Taysom Hill can. But Jalen Hurts, um, you know, storied college career, obviously, storied exit from Alabama when replaced by Tour as well. Um, but now along with Tour has been one of the two highest ever Alabama quarterbacks on the save and drafted. And he was drafted in the second round, which was totally understandable. But being drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, who already have Carson Wentz in place, seemed a little bizarre,
2: shall we say. It's uh, it's a pick that hasn't gone down well. It's, uh, it's up there with the Green Bay Packers pick, which we'll obviously touch on later on as well. But yeah, no, Jalen Hurts, I think he's getting a lot of hate at the moment and not deservingly so. Um, It was actually interesting, I was listening to Howie Roseman, the GM for the the Delphi Eagles, he was on the Rich Eisen show, and he was very honest. He basically said that they've always felt the need of having a strong backup quarterback. Um, It's obviously nothing to do with Wentz. Wentz has just signed a massive four-year deal that they can't get out of. So Wentz is going nowhere. So it's not like they're trying to build for a succession plan. I think it is what Howie Roseman says, um, the case in point of Bridgewater last year with the New Orleans Saints. Um, Teams that have a strong and dependable Uh, backup quarterback uh, are usually better off when injuries occur and also the simple fact is due to the contract they offered Wentz they couldn't really afford to pay somebody in free agency as a backup in the kind of numbers that they would like in terms of quality so it's cheaper and better to go through the draft so I think that's why they've gone with it um I don't see Jalen Hurts playing much at all over the next three years um he's not as much not as much as a Taysom Hill um as, as we think he is very much a quarterback I think
0: no, no, absolutely. He's much more a quarterback in that vein. But, I mean, I suppose the one thing I just find, Brian, you might want to comment on this, that Wentz does get injured. He So far, he seems to get injured every single bloody year. So,
1: Well, yeah, they may not plan on using him. And I think they'll use him sparingly. You know, potentially in games here, you know, with the odd play, but not to the level of hill in, in the Warriors. But you're right, Mark, you know, Wentz hasn't stayed fit for quite a number of years. And, uh, okay, they'll have to... Up for an alternative playbook because I just don't think he's the type of quarterback to come in and play on, on the basis of what they do at the moment with Carson Wentz and what they have around them. they also drafted. They also drafted a, a water saver in the first round. Um, yeah. Not the guy which they, everybody expected. Um, Jefferson was the guy everybody thought they take from um, from. Uh, I can't recall the name there. Uh, Joe Burrow's uh, college team. LSU. LSU, sorry. Yeah, so they talked to but uh, the Vikings took him afterwards. But uh, yeah, they went a went different route on the wide receiver. But it's clear that they didn't to, you know, get the wide receiver part right. But again, if, if Wentz goes down, is it, is it going to be Hurts doing the, doing the yeah. job? Seems a bit strange one to me. Yeah.
0: And and boys, I suppose you mentioned LSU, we'll get round to the SEC dominance that kind of came through loud and clear, and we can go back to the very top of the draft with Burrow and Tua going in the first five picks and stuff. But you know, the the vast amount of athletes from I think it was 40 from the SEC in the first two rounds and then a record number over the whole draft. I mean, it's something exceptional um generally. Um but I do want to dwell on one thing that Gordon just raised there, which said the Green Bay Packers. So I always remember Ron Wolfe, the, uh, the old general manager of the Green Bay Packers, used to draft a quarterback every year. He saw it as a good investment. Not only did they have the success with Brett Favre, they also had Matt Hasselbank, who was groomed under them, and Matt Flynn. They got draft compensation from Seattle. Um, so generally a good investment strategy. And I think he was famous for saying it's better to draft a quarterback a year too early than a year too late. Aaron Rodgers, the week before the draft, was, I don't want to say passive-aggressive, but he certainly, in an interview, stressed that Green Bay had not drafted an offensive skill player in the first round for the last 15 years. In fact, he was the last offensive skill player they drafted in the first round. And sure, he got his wish, didn't he? They drafted an offensive skill player. It just happened to be Jordan Love, who plays quarterback, <laughs> Which probably wasn't what he was wanting.
2: It's it's one of the strangest moves and this is the one that nobody can understand and the only people if you look on twitter that are supporting it are former, you know, uh, Packers personnel people like Andrew Brandt etc who are saying look this is what they did when Brett Favre was the same age etc blah 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 but it's just not simply the same. It's it's completely different. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league. He stayed he's going to play on until he's 40 minimum. Um, and this was just a waste of a first-round um, pick because like wide receiver was where they should have picked. And throughout the entire draft, they didn't pick a single wide receiver. Um, so they haven't been offering any weapons to Aaron Rodgers at all. Um, and I feel sorry for Jordan Love because it's, it's a wasted move. Um, I can't see how he plays, and I can't see how Aaron Rodgers, whereas uh, Carson Wentz welcomed Jalen Hurts with a tweet. I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers is going to do the same thing.
1: Just on that, Mark. So the college quarterbacks or the college players get it, you know, they get the five year contract, four is four on the co- on the initial rookie uh, contract. You know, yeah. you're not a fifth year option, so they're, they're, he comes in a year and earns the average of the top ten player in his position. Yep. So realistically, for the Packers to be in a position to make that decision on that, I know we're talking four years down the road, but they would have to have him playing realistically by year two, the back end of year two, going into year three. So two full seasons. So they can really make a decision whether he's worthy of a of a top ten salary. Therefore, you have to say Rogers may only have two years left. I think personally, I think they're getting a bit disgruntled. Rogers, he doesn't seem to come across as the the player. I know, you know, in the in front of the interviews, everybody says there's the right things. Yeah, he's a great teammate, but you kind of get the vibe that things aren't all good with management and Rogers and how he goes about his business and. At one stage well, last season, said the relationship between him and the and floor was strained. I just wonder, are they, are they thinking, two years' time, we're moving on from Rodgers?
0: I, I, I think I'm going to be more blunt than you're saying it. I think Aaron Rodgers is a bloody diva, to be frank. And I think he's always been a diva. And I don't personally believe he's a proper team player uh, in relation to it. I mean, when your team goes 13-3... and three, which was a bit of a surprise, but he's whinging and moaning almost the whole way through the season. I know he's had some great one-liners about the famous season where he said, relax to everyone, and the Packers went on a tear. But it's almost been this narrative that, oh, Mike McCarthy is holding Aaron Rodgers back. Now it's like, oh, I don't have enough weapons around me. Um, Yeah, I'm a Patriots fan, so I believe in the quarterback epitome of, say, a Tom Brady, who arguably is a sacrifice for the team, but he's definitely been a leader, and a team player, leader, all the way through. I, I believe, and this is me speculating, but I think Rogers hasn't even been a captain all his years as a quarterback, which is a little bit unusual in that space as a veteran as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't surprise me uh, as well. And I know there's a few people, again, on Twitter and speculating, oh, this is just like when the Patriots drafted Garoppolo to try and, and Brady spurred on again and won a couple more Super Bowls. Um, it's a big difference drafting a QB in the second round, uh, albeit highly rated and talented, and giving up your first round pick for anything. I'm moving, up,
1: I'm moving, I'm moving up in the draft. Sorry? I'm sorry, I'm moving up in the draft together as well. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, again, I, I looked through things a little bit through a Patriots lens, so I was staying up late for the first round and just waiting for the inevitable trade down into the second. Oh, what's wow, a shocker. It happened. So we didn't have a pick, and we could have selected the Patriots, Jordan Love, decided against it, and maybe Belichick was trading back and thinking he could pick him up at the start of the second. But you're absolutely right. The Packers gave up draft capital to secure him. Um, so it's not exactly akin to the Rogers falling into their lap situation either. Um, um,
1: they, they drafted a running back in the second round, and then they drafted a tight end in the third round. So you'd, you'd wonder in terms of what the offensive plan is, because you know it was clearly evident last season, albeit they had a very good season, that they were lacking in the wide receiver side of teams. Devontae Adams yes. is a standout wide receiver. Then you had uh, Allison, Geronimo Allison. he's gone to the Lions. So, they, they, And then Jimmy Graham, and he's on the wrong side of it now. He's gone to the Bears, yeah. but they haven't had... Standout.
0: And they had Donald Jones, who was a decent running back from last year. So even drafting the running back in round two seemed a little bit disjointed. But... You know the Packers, as an organisation, have tended to draft quite well, but they've obviously gone through a a, a sea change in philosophy late to uh, more recent years. They've um, obviously splashed more in free agency last year, which is unusual to their general philosophy. And now, you know, might be Aaron Roger, Aaron Rodgers in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that if you follow. Well, Gordon, how
1: long do you think he'll he'll remain as quarterback? Do you think there's a situation where he potentially could move on?
2: I can't. I can't see a position where Aaron Rodgers is in the quarterback. Um, I just. I think it was just a wasted pick. Um, and I think it was silly decision by Green Bay Packers. I don't understand how you can think Jordan Love, if he was as good as you think he is, to take over from Aaron Rodgers. How nobody else took him before you um, with that pick. So it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
1: His um, st- his stock had risen quite a bit over the past few weeks leading up to the draft, but. Certainly not at the, at, the, at the stage where he'd be going to the Green Bay Packers, as you said. If he was that, you know, yourself, Tom Brady, six rounds, so we don't know, but you yeah. would to tell someone who was a QB needy, and there was, there was a few in the middle, middle of the draft, would have taken him.
0: Well, I mean, we're focusing a lot on um, different teams, and, and I actually want to bring a little bit to the AFC because we seem to be talking about a lot of the NFC teams. If we look right at the top of the draft, um, no massive surprise. Joe Burrow, first pick, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, thinking about that division overall, there was a lot of talk afterwards. And trust me, this is the one thing I hate about the draft. Everyone afterwards is given these massively inflated game, uh, grades for teams when not a single pick has actually stepped on a field, played a snap. Um, so it's always a bit of a, a guessing game. But in that division, obviously the Bengals strengthened their space. I think they had a pretty solid draft and – You argue, obviously got the best player overall, although Washington and Chase Young might have a view on that. Um, But the Ravens had a really strong draft as well. I mean, by all accounts and purposes, in terms of the value they picked up for players and seemingly doubling down on what made them successful in the 2019 season. Um, Any thoughts on those two teams and the AFC North in general?
2: Uh, I think from the AFC North, when you're looking at kind of some of the moves, I think the Bengals a lot of their picks were what you'd expect. Um, Burrows, a quarterback, they then brought in uh, Higgins as a wide receiver with their second pick, first pick in the second round, Um, and it was kind of what you you nearly expected from the team. I think um, with the Ravens, solid um, drafting as well, but I think it was more my team that I was excited about, uh, or my second team, the the Cleveland Browns, and. Um, the kind of first four picks are the real takeaway from this year's draft by the Browns. And I think it was a really, really solid, solid draft. So, round one, pick 10, uh, Jedrick, Jedrick uh, Willis, the offensive tackle. Um, so, this is Fick Felton, uh, felt and he's definitely going to be the, the new left tackle of the future. So, generally played right tackle in college, but he'll move over, and then Conklin will be on the right. And you've got a very solid offensive line there. Um, and I think the other one that was really, really interesting was the uh, the round two pick, which was Grant to the safety. So again, LSU player. And again, regarded as the best free safety in the whole entire draft class. So just those two picks alone, I think, impressed me a lot um, with the Browns. I think one of the uh, other divisions um, that excited me was um, with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw uh, the Colts draft, but their top three picks... They went with a wide receiver, Michael Pittman, who just watches highlights is all I'd say. Uh, He is an absolute beast. Um, He's not going to get a huge amount of separation, uh, but he's going to catch everything. One of the stats I found out from him was he'd only dropped five uh, balls in 176 career catches, so it's 2.8% drop rate. And when you watch the highlights, just see him put him up on -on one-on-one, he's going to catch it. And with Rivers there, who's a gunslinger, it's a a brilliant uh, pick by them. And in round two, they've gone with one of the highly rated uh, running backs in Jonathan Taylor, who is just a freak of nature when he finds that running lane. And again, he's behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, And Jordy Nelson, who's going to literally make running lanes open up out of nowhere for him. So I think that was a really cool pick. And then the one that really excites me is their quarterback. Uh, So I don't know if you've only heard of Jacob Eason. So this guy has got a massive arm. Uh, If you watch his highlights, he does not throw soft passes. He doesn't throw anything delicate. They are rib breakers. Now, there has been questions about his personality, about him being lazy, a bit too laid back, etc. But he's in a great position where he can just sit behind uh, Philip Rivers for a year, potentially two. Uh, And if he can get rid of some of the poor mechanics, like he has an arm. If you just watch it, it's regarded as the best arm in the entire draft out of all the quarterbacks. So they were one of the teams that really excited me was the Browns and then also the Colts uh, in this year's draft. Oh, so, so um, obviously he was one of the quarterbacks that slid during the draft
0: and picked yeah. up on day three, which was uh, a little bit unexpected. But uh, Brian, I think we heard it from Gaul over there. The only teams he wants to talk about in the FC North are the Browns, the Ravens, and the Bengals. No, no mention of some other teams. so uh, just, that, just, uh, just the Ravens though. Yeah. I wouldn't talk about them either. Don't worry.
2: Their 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 draft was terrible. Well, it wasn't terrible. i but seen, it, seen it. It just well they had no first round pick this year from the. Mika Fitzpatrick trade last year um, with the Dolphins so like again they brought in a wide receiver a guy called Chase Claymore like he, if you watch the highlights there's nothing outstanding about him Um, other than that he's he's quite quick for the size of him uh, but compared to all the other wide receivers I think he was ranked like close to the bottom of the 10 best wide receivers in the draft
1: there was a very good point made on the show actually Thursday night when they were discussing the amount of wide receivers that would get traded or sorry would get drafted over the three days said it's a draft-heavy wide receiver base doesn't mean that they're all very good. Yeah. No,
2: yeah. no.
0: And Brian, I was going to make that same point because we talked about the Raiders earlier on drafting the three wide receivers, but of course the Raiders have the infamous pick of Darius hayward Bay back in the time of... Uh, um, uh, back in a few years ago, which was a complete bomb. It was just because he was so fast. And, you know, we say about all these wide receivers that were taken, but then, you know, Antonio Brown went in the fifth round. You know, Wes Welker went undrafted. Like, it's not... Necessarily guaranteed that they're just going to all pan out beautifully. Uh, so again,
1: Victor, Victor Cruz was undrafted. Mark.
0: Yes, sorry, I should have said Victor Cruz as tell well. Me, Very good call. We miss him. <laughs> Julian Adams converted quarterback. You know, we can we can play this game for a while in the seventh round. Um, but the, the again, I suppose that's one of the things I love talking about the draft. I love the fact we're talking about football again. I love the fact we've got something to debate on how these teams will shape up. But it's really frustrating as well when you consider. Some of these guys, like a Jordan Love, is going to sit for two years. Some of these guys will never actually take the field. And we're pontificating on what might be, but sure. But it's even more
1: difficult for them because usually straight after the draft, within a fortnight, they've gone in for um, the rookie minicamp. You know? And now they can't. They, they, they do that. And then they have in June, they'd have the, uh, the optional training yeah. uh, week, which they tend to turn up. And then obviously in July, they'll go to uh, the management well, Right now, we don't know what's going to happen.
0: I alluded to it about the SEC predominance and obviously it is such a power conference and such strong teams coming out of it. But there's been more than a few people have said that's actually almost favored them this year because people haven't had the chance to do pro days. People haven't had the chance to yeah. go and visit teams and, and that piece. So you're looking at tape and the same key power teams, because you're looking at Burroughs tape or you're looking at tours tape and stuff. And you're seeing the same, you know, offensive linemen, the wide receivers like Judy and Ruggs and Therefore, it becomes more comfortable because you know the quality of opposition they've gone against. Well,
1: it's funny you should say that because I was watching Dave Gatlin's press conference on, Saturday, on Sunday morning from the Saturday evening after the uh, round two, round three, and one of the reporters said, you know, if Javier, if Javier McKinney had done his pro day and the private visits to the teams, he would, have, he would have definitely went in the first round. But because he did a bad 40 at the combine, he fell into the second. And he said, uh, how do you feel about that? And he's going to go, what we say on that, you know, where the is landed in the second, you know. So sorry for your troubles.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, um, let's talk about your New York Giants for a second because they're one of many teams that went, I don't want to say conservative, but reasonably sensible in terms of taking, a, you know, investing in the line. They took an offensive tackle, one of the four offensive tackles that predicted to go in the first 15 or so picks. But it's fair to say, picking at number four, Brian, it wasn't necessarily... Well, look, it wasn't the offensive tackle I was expecting to go first off the board. Um, No,
1: no. But it's unusual because a couple of months back when the season ended, um, Andrew Thomas was deemed to be the number one tackle in the draft. And it's like anything, after a couple of months of continuous mock drafts and everybody having their opinion on the lead-up to the draft, it all kind of goes full circle. And then he was deemed to be the fourth one. But having... Watched Jay Glazer today. He said he's adamant uh, leaving up to the draft last week. He knew 10 teams were saying he was definitely the number one offensive line guy from the four. Reason being, he's pro-ready. He's played in the top 12. He's played against Josh Allen in Kentucky, for example, who did great things with the Jags last year. And he, and he held players like that up. He did a really a reasonably good job against Chase Young. So he's played reasonably good level. And he can play left tackle and he can play right tackle and they say he's the most pro ready of the four. So he'll yeah. step in immediately. So you know the plan is for him to to go right tackle. Solder will play one more year with the Giants. They'll ship him out because it's 14 million in cap next year. He'll move over to the left tackle. And the guy that is drafted in the tour round will probably sit out for a year and then he'll move in at right tackle. He also drafted a guard from Oregon later on, later in the, in the draft. A lot of people thought would go in the second. So yeah, it's, to be correct. It's been an ongoing issue
2: for, for the Giants for a long time. It's, it's an interesting one where you see the Giants actually drafting for a need and the requirements of their roster and then I thought one of the interesting picks was uh, the Dallas Cowboys and their first round pick um, and Jerry Jones on his yacht of luxury um, with uh, nobody around him etc but it was just one of those positions that, that old saying of draft the best player available on the board uh, and they did that with a guy called C.D. Lamb who they had, didn't really have a need for a wide receiver with that pick, but he just fell into their laps um, in, at the 10th overall pick. Um, and, yeah, it was just a, an interesting pick. When you look at him, he's probably the second or third um, wide receiver up there with Judy and Ruggs, uh, and he's just a quality player. But it was just interesting, you know, uh, Jerry Jones just telling his scouts, no, leave me alone. I want this flashy player that nobody has picked up on in the first few picks.
0: I know a lot of wide receivers went but somebody could play a drinking game with every wide receiver pick you mentioned I think I'd be uh, be pretty pissed after this podcast That's
1: just just back to the point I made around where people see players over the months leading up to the draft because Judy was the number one for quite a long time then leading up to the draft Lamb came the one he's definitely going to be the number one pick and Judy will be the second and Ruggs will be the third and in the end, they went completely full circle. Rugs, Judy, and Lam. And funny enough, he's just on the Cowboys. They never even did a Zoom or an interview, a video call with, with, yeah. uh, with Lam, because he just didn't believe he'd ever be there. So, it wasn't as rough for Neil. You know, it was definitely, this, he's there, we've got to take him. Sometimes it's just, if he's the best player, we've got to take him.
0: Hey, they close out their deal with Dak Prescott, and they've got Amari Cooper, and they've got a solid offensive line-of-running game and decent defence still. It's... um. Becomes an exciting Cowboys team. I know I was high on them last year and it fizzled out a little bit for them, but uh um certainly looks like an interesting team. Um actually on the offensive tackles, as I said, a lot went early. Gordo alluded to it. Tampa Bay, I mean sorry, Tampa Bay, uh traded up one spot to guarantee they'd pick up the fourth of those offensive tackles and um try and keep some Hall of Fame quarterback. I forget his name upright. Um, but uh out, you know, on the other spectrum of the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, I mean, we could talk about someone's probably going to the College Hall of Fame as well. Tua to the tuner. Um, I know we talked about it the last time we talked. Uh, Miami were trying to throw a smokescreen, and there were a few people that were convinced it wasn't happening, but they stayed pat at five. Tua was on the ball. They took Tua, and they used their other two first-round picks quite decently as well. And you'd say there's three day one starters. Um, Good pick, right pick. Kind of now, now's the time for their future growth in the Bradyless AFC East. I
2: I think this is just the pick that again, if you're going by tanking for two, this is what they wanted all along. Um, and again, he's regarded as the most efficient QB in college uh, history. So everything just comes down to the injury. How, how how well recovered has he come back from it? What's the concern that again? it doesn't happen again, or his career is, I suppose, threatened in the future. But I think that's the excuse they'll use, and it's the fact that they've drafted him during his COVID period. They haven't been able to do as many physicals, etc. And he's just one of those players you'd hate to see them um, miss out on an unbelievable pick again. Um, So I think they've decided, look, go with it. Uh, And then they straight away went to try and protect him. So they brought in Austin Jackson uh, with their second first-round pick. Again, we've talked about all of the offensive tackles. Direct replacement for Tunzel. Uh, and then in the second round they brought in Robert Hunt guard from Louisiana. Um so clearly they've said we're going to protect uh two moving forward. Um, but yeah, I don't know about you, Brian, but like it just it seemed like a no brainer. Like is in you can't wait for for next year's draft for a quarterback. So I suppose you've got to take the player if Burroughs isn't there.
1: Yeah, I think if you take the injuries out equation, he's certainly to there's no doubt he's the best quarterback in the draft, even ahead of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow played in a system that worked for him last year, but in terms of the potential to be you know, in the league for 10, 15 years, subject to injuries, too, is a better guy. It's a, it's a weird one, though, because if Brady was still, or sorry, if the Patriots were, think, were still the team they were a couple of years ago and it was you know, dominating the division, would they just continue with Fitzpatrick and allow him the year to kind of develop and not you know, run the risk of picking up further injuries? But now the fact that Brady's moved on, and we've discussed it the last day, it's a very open division. Are they kind of being pressured now in the sense that our window has actually arrived quicker than we expected in terms of trying to win the division? So should we be playing two from the get-go? I would yeah. imagine they'll go with Fitzpatrick initially uh, for, you know, for a couple of games and see how it goes if they start winning. Which, in fairness to Fitzpatrick, he does well at the start of seasons. It's just when the longevity of the season gets in, he starts to struggle.
2: Fitzmagic is going nowhere for that start of that season. He is starting the first five or six games uh, and he'll get them a couple of wins because, yeah, I think with everything that's happened now and the fact that we don't know what the training plans are going to be like, there's no way they'll risk Tua. Uh, There's a long-term play here and the fact that they've drafted those offensive tackles as well in the first round, they have time on their side now to really develop them.
0: But I've got one for you, Mark, sorry. No, I was just going to say Tua's got to adjust as well that he won't have Judy and Ruggs there as well. So let's not Deny the fact that he's going to not be playing with two first-round wide receivers. Brian, sorry, I cut you off, mate.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, just on the division. I mean, I read Belichick saying it wasn't by design that we didn't draft a quarterback. So where is yeah. that? Where? And now obviously James Winston's gone, but I don't honestly believe that was ever in the in the equation. Where where is it now? Are you going to go with the the rookie, or will he's going to be a rookie?
0: The only the only other person that's still on the, the books that could fly fly and we talked about it the other week as well was Newton, but I think he's gonna to be too expensive. So I think yeah, he's going with Stidham. Um I do think I, I kind of couldn't understand Belichick's comment. That it wasn't by design. It was almost like he expected someone to be available there. And that's why I made the point. Was he trading down into the second, thinking Jordan Love was gonna to continue to fall and still be there on the fifth round fifth pick of the second round? Um that would have been risky. He didn't jump on um, uh, Gordon's other favorite quarterback, who, who slipped quite a bit, and Jake Fromm, who slipped quite a bit into the fifth round. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to make of it. He had plenty of opportunities to draft a QB. He knew he wasn't going to get the top few: uh, Herbert, tour and uh, Burrow. So. Yeah, I think they're going with Stidham. I think uh, they drafted the double tight ends, kind of reminiscent of what they did with Gronkowski and Hernandez. You know, well, half of that equation again would be good. We could leave the other half in prison; that'd be fine. Um, we haven't even touched on Gronk yet. Mark. Well,
2: before 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 we touch on Gronk, have you ever heard of a a, a round five uh, place kicker that gets drafted, getting as much news and headlines as getting at the moment? Uh, I'm assuming you've heard of your new kicker there, um, uh, Mark.
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: Justin Rowe-Rasser will have to get removed. A shameful right-wing militia tattoo that he has on himself already. Um, That's that's an interesting headline to come out of uh, the New England Patriots draft.
0: Yeah, he, he admitted he have this uh this tattoo which represents the three percenters is what it stands for. And he's very patriotic military family. He thought it was yeah. uh, because it signifies the amount of people that rose up in rebellion in the American Revolution and he thought it was, Oh, this is this is great, this is just a patriotic military yeah. thing and it's been brought to his attention. No, it's it's actively some degree of a um well I was almost say white supremacist because I'm not quite sure exactly how you describe the yeah uh, involved but he's uh, certainly resiling from that quite quickly um it certainly struck me it was the most coverage a kicker had got probably since Janikowski was drafted in the first round um, for a while ago but uh yeah we'll see um we will definitely see I mean the Pats obviously went with their usual baffling pick of a overrated, um, or in their books, uh, set defensive back in the second round. It's probably donating something. Um, but I thought the tight ends mix. I mean, obviously, our tight end position is appalling. Um, we did trade a tight end, and I know Brian's desperate to get to, so we'll come back to it, um, uh, when he came out of retirement. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a lit year of... Learning and uh, challenges for the Patriots, and certainly with three decent young quarterbacks and team up and coming teams. Um, my expectations are very much reset, shall we say, for the new season.
1: Do you remember last year when the Browns were going to the season as the new snazzy team that everybody wanted to be on board and they were going to go in the Super Bowl and all the money was coming for them? Well, the Bucks have quickly become that team for this year. There are four favorites in the bookies for the Super Bowl. It's crazy. I know Gronk has gone there, which quickly torn off this team. I've got, a great, I've got a great one for you. You know what's going to happen in week seven, Dan? Go for it. The Bucs are going to play the Saints. Um, the Saints will have won the division. They'll be resting up. And the Bucs will have to win to get the wild card. And Jameis is going to go into Tampa, play for the Saints, and beat them.
0: I tell you, I, I like, I'm more interested, and I think I said it, in 2021, uh, Brady going back to Foxborough because the, the Bucks play Patriots at Foxborough. So that you, will be...
1: be you are booking your flight ticket for that one, Mark.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, it's a new shiny toy, um, effectively. Um, Gronk obviously coming out of retirement to go play with Brady in a place with no state taxes and spreading the Gronk brands. and. Um, it has its benefits and um, you look at the tight end structure there with OJ Howard still on the books, Cameron Bray and Gronk. It has the potential to be a three headed monster. If people stay healthy, if Gronk is Gronk again, and the like, um, it's, it's certainly sexy. I'm certainly going to watch the games, shall we say, but I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm always a New England Patriots fan. That's the problem for me. Like, I'll kind of be interested in how Brady gets along, but it's a bit like if you broke up with a wife. You know, do <laughs> you really want to see her go out with someone that's hotter and better looking than you? You know, no, you don't. You kind of want him to, you know, I don't want anything ill will towards you, but I don't want to see you necessarily do better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's my problem. I'm monogamous. I just, I am a Patriots fan. It's not like Gordo where I can date uh, every every NFL team going.
2: <laughs> right? But it depends. Depends on the mood was in. Like it's in. i just get excited for all the teams when you see certain picks they make, and then I want to try and follow them for parts of the season. Um, and uh, and uh, but there's one. There's another team again that excited me with their first round pick, uh, and it was the Los Angeles Chargers, um, who went with a really really good uh, quarterback in Justin Herbert, who have Tyrod Taylor to kind of fill the void. Um, but again, the system they want to play is that um, old school Washington uh, system that uh, has now been played in the 49ers. So they think Justin Herbert is the perfect fit for that. And I think I always love trying to see every year when the draft finishes, what first-round quarterbacks seem to play the best or outlast, or depending on their system. Like, Burroughs has gone into the Bengals. Like, yes, he's a quality quarterback, but is that system going to absolutely screw him over? Has uh, Zach Johnson or Zach... um, Cameron Secondham has done enough to change the culture there or will the Bengals eat him up and suddenly you see Justin Herbert in five, six years being the the best pick out of that draft so that was just another one that I think when it comes to a team like Los Angeles Chargers uh, a new quarterback is an exciting one for me Just
1: on the Bengals the second round pick T Higgins out Clemson like it was quickly obvious Right, we've got a quarterback we now need to start putting some players around them that can (laughs) do a
2: job Well they have A.J. Green back for at least one year Um, so they could have an amazing wide receiver uh, tandem there, but again, it just depends whether or not he's healthy.
1: Don't be, not be surprised if he gets traded before the season. Yeah, playing on the he's on the Do tag. Think? I think they put him on the tag in, in to kind of prolong the agony in terms of trying to sign him for a contract. But he's he's injury prone. I could see him getting traded.
0: Yeah, if if someone came in with a half decent offering, he's been too injured for them. Take the take the comp and move on. Almost is what I'd say. I mean. Arguably, they would like to trade him if they were going to do that before the draft, so they could have loaded up. Tried to or, do
1: it on the deadline last season
0: receivers. Yeah, that's right. They did. Um, I love the fact, however, Gordo, your head is getting turned by even more teams. I'm starting to see how I've been married for 14 years, and you have to color code your girlfriends so you don't get confused. <laughs> uh, it's the
2: uh-huh. modern. It's the it's the modern world, Mark.
0: Modern world. All right, that's yeah. it. I must I must catch up sometime. I must catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, boys, i kind of it's it's interesting to me. We you know, we briefly touched on the Ravens, but tell you someone we haven't touched on the Super Bowl champions. You know, is it the rich get richer? I mean, obviously they get to draft as well. they be at thirty-two. Um, the only the the surprise, surprise about
1: that pick mark was the player more so than the position because it was well touted to go running back. A lot of people thought they go DeAndre Swift, but. They went with another NSU. LSU were coming off the board towards the back end of the fourth round. Clyde Edwards, Hilera. I, I let you have a go at it. But Andy Reid, by all accounts, was looking at his film and he was ranked as a third um, running back behind Swift. And Gordon touched on him earlier, uh, Jordan Taylor, who went to the Colts. And they thought he, this guy would be the third pick. But no, they, taught, they saw enough of him to think that it was more about the system and he fit into that. And keep it, keep them moving in the right direction, and then in the second round, just on the Chiefs, there was a guy that I was actually keeping an eye on because it was not a podcast saying the Giants would consider him cornerback Willie, uh, sorry linebacker Willie Gay Jr. and he dropped to the to the back end of the second, and I was saying that's a huge pickup for him.
2: I think uh, when you look at the Chiefs, I think the the thing that just kind of strikes you and says enough about the uh, AFC West is look at the two other teams that at the Broncos uh, and the Raiders. Who do they draft first round for each of their first picks? Wide receivers, speedy wide receivers, uh, because they've seen what the Chiefs have done. The Chiefs have the most settled squad, but they play pace, uh, and every other GM in that division and that conference now wants to try and go down that route. The only way to beat the Chiefs is with speed in your offense, and I just thought it was very telling that both the Broncos and the Raiders' first pick went to wide receiver.
1: you got to match them in a game, because the average score, the Chiefs are putting up as 24 points per game, you know, so you got to get the speeches in to try go, you know, drive for drive with them. And hopefully you and can start at the right end of a high scoring game.
2: And sorry, the Broncos' first two picks were wide receivers. Um, so their second pick was another wide receiver. So it just kind of shows you, like you say, Brian, they're trying to put enough um, weapons around, I've forgotten his name, but the Broncos quarterback who they seem to be wanting to bank this year. Drew uh, Lock. Drew Lock. Drew Lock. Um, no, Drew Locke. The oh, Locke. Locke, yeah. Lock. Oh, Lock,
1: sorry. Lock. He might be locked. <laughs>
0: Um, uh, actually it does strike me you mentioned about the Chiefs drafting running back and Andy Reid not going with the expected approach obviously with help from the system and Harry Roseman uh, and others in Philadelphia they didn't draft bad on running back before in Philadelphia Brian Westbrook LeSean McCoy um, you know to the extent that Reid had a input in relation to those I'd say he's a bit of a benefit of the doubt but uh you're absolutely right. Speed kills, as you alluded to earlier, and certainly the Chiefs have had it in abundance. Um, and it seems like uh, the AFC West, I always remember, used to be full of pass rushes. It was always, you know, Justin Houston and Von Miller. And that's not too long ago that it was every team had great pass rushes. And maybe now we're going to move into an evolution where they're all going to have great wide receivers. So be interesting times ahead. Interesting times ahead.
1: Sean Payton did an interview after the drafts. I um, don't know if you've had an opportunity to read some of it, just snippets, but he basically said, after the draft, it's clear there's only ten teams that are capable of winning the Super Bowl. You know, but then again, it's probably no surprise every year. You know, to be honest with you, you, probably could pick those ten out yourself. But then yes. obviously they moved on to, to ask him, is the Bucks one of the ten?
0: <laughs> what did he say? Did he refuse nah, to? Win? He,
1: he dodged. You know, great signings, great. Oh, it's a tough game. The usual. It says all the right things. Yeah.
2: Uh, they, they, they'd they want to be after the amount of money they've spent this off-season. So, um, But yeah, I think I'm just excited now to see when we finally figure out what the season's going to look like. Is it going to be a full season we get to watch or is it going to be a shortened season? Does the Super Bowl title count if it's a shortened season? Um, I know they came out today saying that they're going to get rid of probably the Pro Bowl, potentially look to move the Super Bowl back a week or two um, to try and facilitate and getting rid of some of the the off uh, the bye weeks as well so hopefully we don't see a shortened season I think that's the last resort the NFL will go to
1: well the, the plan which you touched on Gordon is to start the season on the 15th of October remove the bye week and remove the week between the Super Bowl and start the semi the championship games on the Super Bowl they're getting mm. two weeks back and then they'll play the Super Bowl at the end of February and it seems to see it seems to have well, it seems to have some logic to it because what they're saying is the first month of the season would then just become the back end of the season, as in the first four weeks will now become week 13 to 16 instead of one to four. So it's just they're just flipping your first four games to your last four games, and we go from there. Yeah. But then, um, look, if if, we, if someone says today, that, yeah, you're going to get your NFL season, it doesn't start till October, I'd, I'd be signing enough for that.
0: Um, I just want to share, I suppose, um, uh, some random draft minutia. I'm not sure if you all saw uh, various times. Um, but things I just want to throw out, random things I enjoyed. Uh, Henry Ruggs, we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, did you see his gown when he was uh, selected? His, uh,
2: his Old Spice gown. There is sponsorship money. That's Whoever that sponsorship manager is, give that guy a bonus. There you go. Uh, God, old yeah. Spice gown worn on the draft. What a man.
0: Um, uh, the Bucks we talked about but in the third round they drafted a uh, up and coming I think it was the third round an up and coming cornerback called Antoine Winfield uh, which would generally be unremarkable except for the fact that he's just been drafted into the team that his father famously picked off the same quarterback of in the 2001 season that's literally uh, how old Tom Brady is
2: I did, I did read that that was an interesting that was a really interesting fact yeah
0: Ra- yeah. Random, but he's just basically, yeah. He's, he's been around longer than Old Spice, probably. In this there, there was
1: one I noticed, in the, in, I was actually in the top ten, and I actually can't recall which player it was, but it was very unusual. You know, most families were celebrating with you know joy and jubilation and hugs. And there was one father, if it was his father, just sat there on the sofa while the rest <laughs> of them were all crying and hugging each other, and he was just sipping his beer. It was like... <laughs> I'm here because either there's beers or I have to be here.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, I I I think this this year's draft was one of those ones where you got to see uh into different people's um background or lifestyles. I don't know if you saw uh the um sorry for the Titans head coach, Frables uh sitting in room with his son. One of his sons is wearing like nearly like one of those gimp type suits. <laughs> with shorts on, and then in the background mirror, it looks like one of his sons wearing a jacket. Apparently, he was sitting on a stool. Vrabel had to come out and clarify afterwards. So uh, this is what the virtual draft, uh, draft brought us this year, you know. And then also, of course, uh, uh, Goodell standing in his uh, basement, uh, stunning basement, by the way. Um, but in front of a invited uh, fans from each team that could be there to boo him, and he kind of jeered them on It was some of the worst daytime uh, acting I've ever seen in my life, to be honest.
1: There's a great photograph of Goodell going round, dressed up as Father Jack, because by the time he got to the third round, on he was unraveling. You know, he'd given up on the standing and he had to sit into his chair. It was catching up for him. <laughs> yeah. he, was,
2: yeah.
0: he was slumped in the chair. And he the got the more place. and more casual as he went on as well. It was yeah. quite amusing.
2: Or the or um, the fight the final one, if you notice, your team, uh, Brian the Giants, Gettleman at one point, uh, it flashes onto him, flashes back. Uh, and in between the two flashies, suddenly wearing a face mask in his in his draft war room. Yeah.
1: And so <laughs> oh, he, he he was quickly asked about it. He clarified. It. He, he goes, "Yeah, I, I had cancer two years ago, and yeah. had uh, IT guys in the room.
0: So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna cover myself." Yeah, good it, rationale I thought in relation yeah. to it, it was good rationale. But it just shows um, it
2: just shows you what we're dealing with now. You forget as well that some of these teams had people in their homes and stuff like the effort that went to 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 do this draft was insane.
1: Look, there's a witch yeah. hunt on Gettleman because they were—he was getting sick for the way his room was structured because it wasn't like the Chargers GM where he had ten TVs in the room and John Lynch had six monitors. And then, you, of course, you see, as you touched on earlier, Cliff Kingsbury—you know—lying on the couch. Oh. I, think he, I think he was watching Fair City in between or something.
2: Uh, I'm telling you, you can finish—you could finish the podcast on Cliff Kingsbury alone. He looked like he was sitting in a mansion in some valley. He had this big open backyard and everything. You're like. Yes, it, that, that's what you get out in Arizona. That's when they pay you the big bucks to leave college football, you know?
1: Yeah, it's called Happy Valley in um, Arizona. Yeah. Or, I'd be, I'd, I,
2: I would 100% be happy there.
1: Yeah, as much, yeah. Did, was, look, there could be another team, you know?
0: I, I was going to say, the other one I liked that was random was Matt Patricia was at home with his three kids and Matt Patricia still had a pencil behind his ear while he was doing the draft. That, yeah. that for me, made it. Um. But Gordon, I always wonder sometimes when we start off on these podcasts, you know, we kind of cover a lot of subjects and let's see where the flow takes us. I don't think a child in a gimp like suit was a sentence <laughs> I could have, <laughs> would have been said at any point.
2: <laughs> it was one of the most random things I saw all weekend. Uh, that and uh, Bill Belichick, when I learned that he was actually on some private island by himself. He's out in Nantucket. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Just chilling
1: out. Every time yeah. I saw the rooms with all the kids in it, Mark, Mark I just assumed Gee, thats what your life is like these days.
0: Yeah. Oh fucking hell! Absolutely. There's a reason we do this late at night, guys. It's to only <laughs> only get any kind of fucking pace. Well, I
1: thought that this is because of all your followers in San Francisco, so we have to put it on at, <laughs> a, at a nice time of the day.
2: Branch, branching out to the American America due to Mark Caldwell, you know. Tell Gordon your story, you know. Tell the what world on the
0: podcast. What I try and do. What I try and do. Uh, we'll save that for another day. We'll save that for another day, bro. So look, um, any other final thoughts or any teams and things you wanted to mention? Oh, I, I think I think we I kind go.
2: of yeah sorry I think we kind of for me personally we've gone through a lot there we've cherry picked myself and Brian all week we're kind of texting each other back and forth and some of the teams that we're going to look into and delve into and I think we've kind of I've got most of the ones I have anyway I don't know what you Brian is there any leftovers?
1: No, I think we've we've hit the nail on the head. I mean it was a very varied draft like like it always is, but I think. Interesting enough, some of the picks this year were more assured and that kind of touched on the point that Mark made the last day when in this world of unknown now, you're going to go with the the more assured pick than taking the
0: risk. Yeah, uh, it was pretty, you know, again, I've expressed my frustration. Everything looks good now. We'll see how it pans out and we're going to be looking back in a couple of years' time at some real doozies of picks and maybe Gordo's right maybe Jordan Love's going to be up there as one of the key ones that we say God almighty what were they thinking
1: but because um, of the current situation a lot of these picks are going to get second, chance, second chances more so than other players would in the past because they'll always have that argument that they didn't have the
0: off season proper yeah. off season to build up and everything yeah. true true. so maybe they'll get a bit more time I hope yeah. um, certainly for their sakes in relation to it but look, I think I'll wrap things up, boys. As you know, I like to always wrap it up with something a little bit more esoteric,al literally literary. And uh, it struck me when you think about the draft, things are going to change. And I was thinking of Proust, you know, and you know, in search of lost time or remembrance of things past, because everything's changing. Or do we go Kafka, and we're talking about metamorphosis, because um, every team is literally going through a metamorphosis. But realistically. In every draft, every team is looking at this and they're kind of going, hey, we don't want to be the guys who draft the Achilles Smith or the Ryan Leaf. We don't want to be the guys, sorry, Chicago Bears, who drafted Trubitsky after Mahomes. And literally right at this moment, no team knows what they've got. So I'm going to go old school, Bill Shakespeare. Really what they're asking is to be or not to be? That is the question. So with that um as always which i know you love guys I know you love that oh,
1: so I sleep well tonight and now i haven't heard
0: yeah that. every time Have i know you will i know you will it's beneficial for you um okay. but with that i think we'll wrap things up so brian gordo as always it's a blast
2: cheers guys appreciate it yeah
0: thanks guys talk to you soon until next time talk to you soon thank you thank you very much